Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Emmerich's Weekly. I am your co-host, Chad Didimenesis, and I am joined by my other excellent co-hosts for this podcast, some Let's Go Emmerich's Keith Wozniak. Keith, how are things up in Rochester? Hey, what's up, Chad? They are cold and snowy, just like Buffalo, but uh, you know, at least we're a little bit different. We're coming off a winning weekend, in a way. Yeah, yeah, we're still... Uh... We're still having more losses than wins over here, but we'll save that for another day because, you know, the Sabres podcast is tonight, so we'll have enough time to reminisce about that tonight. But the uh, the good news is, because I was kind of fearing going into this weekend, is we don't have a lot to talk about, but thankfully the Sabres came through on Thursday night at about 9.30. And it's funny because we just talked about this guy last week that, you know, this might be near the end for him. And sure enough, here it is. Justin Bailey was traded to, well, the Flyers organization, but Lehigh Valley uh, for – Taylor Liars, how do you say his name right? Liar? From what I understand, Lear. Lear, okay. Yep. So two forwards, basically the same kind of thing. Two forwards kind of just running out of their, I guess, respective times in those organization. They made a flip. And you know, I guess we'll start with Bailey here on the side of it. What do you what do you think of the whole deal? You know, it's uh just talking to somebody from uh Lehigh Valley that covers the Phantoms, kind of like I cover the Amerix is they seem like two very similar players, um, you know, in terms of stats, how they play, potential, where they kind of sit in the organization. So, you know, there's a, you know, personal connection that a lot of people have gotten to know Justin Bailey from him being here for a while. And, you know, which is a little bit different in the American League versus, you know, the NHL where, you know, every, a lot of fans even get a personal connection with a player. Right. You know, just getting to know him, you know, it's, everyone's much more accessible. So from that standpoint, there's a lot of people sad to see him go on the, you know, on the hockey side of things. It's, you know, I think we mentioned it might have been just been last week that, you know, it's time for a change of scenery and, you know, it really hasn't done much this season. So, you know, there's really nothing, you know, no real loss per se, you know, the player that we're getting in return, Hey, you know, seems like he, maybe he'll get a fresh start and he can kind of give a kick to the offense. So what's your... Maybe something we cover the Bailey side of it. What's your kind of take on, you know, getting Lear in here? You know, from what I've seen, he's a speedy player. He can score some goals. You know, I, I saw your thing you tweeted out with all of his goals. You know, it's like he's has some skill to his game too. So, what's your kind of what's your thought bringing him in? You know, I guess it's kind of a shake up the lineup, if you will. Right, and you know, you look at those goals. I could have put together a highlight video of Bailey looking the same exact way. Um, right, other- right, yep. They're both very similar to the season. Uh, they've both had, you know, three different two-goal games. So, you know, you look at their goals for the season, they're, you know, six of the goals for both of them come from three different games. Um, you know, so really it's just going to be a matter of, hey, sometimes the change of scenery, um, you know, Bailey just wasn't doing all that much. Um, you know, Lear seemed to be contributing to the Phantoms. Um, somebody from the Phantom side of thing that kind of does advanced stats all by hand, which is insane. <laughs> um, 
you know, he kind of did a lot. Of, he does a lot of stat tracking, and Lear was the Phantoms' kind of best player over the last ten game stretch. So, you know, that's uh, there's definitely an upside to him, and you know, it will. He played his first game on Saturday night. Um, you know, didn't really see too much out of him. But at the same time, when you haven't had a practice in with the team and you're kind of stuck on the fourth line with guys that aren't going to do much, it's kind of hard to judge. Um, you know, I think the Justin Bailey era of being a, you know, part of the Sabres organization is kind of out the window, kind of like a Nick Baptiste, uh, Hudson Fashing, and, you know, the list kind of goes on of, you know, hey, here's more proof that just because a guy scores 20 goals in his first season in the American League, there's still a lot of work to do to to get any farther. And, you know, he's just another player on that list that didn't make the cut. Yeah, you know, it's and plus this whole I think this whole thing is kind of, you know, and it kind of coincides with the Patrick Berglund thing here. It's something I've talked about, you know, on the Sabres podcast, too, is it, uh, you know, both these guys seem you know, emotionally invested in the city where they played. Um, you know, I heard the story of Lear when, you know, he was in Lehigh Valley on Saturday and, you know, holding back tears is what I read, you know, talking about how it was the last time he'll be in this building playing hockey. And, you know, we know how invested Bailey was in Buffalo and Rochester. I mean, even being born in Buffalo, you know, so it's kind of, it's kind of the things I always like to say, you know, it, it gives the, the view of, you know, why they're hockey players and in some case famous hockey players, you know, they're, they're people too. And there's, you know, a human element. So these trades and a lot of moves that you see, especially in the AHL. Yeah, absolutely. There's the the human side of it, which we see kind of there's more to obviously the story for everything. Um, you know, Bailey is one of those guys that, you know, he took pride in playing in Rochester. Yeah, you know, was he wasn't happy, obviously, with being sent down, going through waivers at the start of the season. You know, he didn't make it. But, you know, he never really, you know, you could see there's frustration, which is evident with any you know, anybody in any career when they're not doing well. Right. You know, but he never hung his head down, you know, as far as being stuck in the, quote, stuck in the American League or being, you know, not making the cut. You know, he took pride playing and, you know, that's really all you can ask for in a player. And, you know, even if the performance doesn't make it, hey, he tried, didn't work out, and now they move on from him. And, you know, we start a new era with a new player who is, you know, as we saw from, if you saw that video, he's just as passionate. Yeah, so moving past the trade, there was two games this weekend. Uh, Rochester picked up three out of four points with a 5-4 victory over Scranton on Friday and then losing in a shootout on Saturday to Alex Lyon, who coincidentally enough was the goaltender the Sabres let up earlier in the season. Uh, so I guess a little bit of revenge there running into a hot goalie. But uh, So how did the weekend overall go for Rochester? Yeah, the win on Friday night was a you know it's pretty good hard hitting game. Um, there was a lot of you know physical play. Uh, we scored five goals. Uh, Zach Redmond scored twice, and his second goal tied the Amherst franchise record for most goals by a defenseman in the regular season, uh, which was set in nineteen seventy two slash seventy three by a guy named Rick Pagnuti. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, record stood for forty six years, and uh, you know Zach Redmond tied the record. You know, so that's he's well on the pace. Obviously, just needs one more goal in the next what thirty seven games to break the uh, yep. to break it, which should be possible. Um, you know, Victor Olson scored twice, uh, which was great to see. Um, you know, our favorite Alex Nylander um, in that game. Uh, just got to mention him since everybody likes talking about him. It really was, <laughs> you know, it was one of those games where he was invisible for the first fifty minutes of the game, and I think hmm. it, I think I tweeted something out like, "Hey, it's time to." Uh, kind of do something 
you know, and he made a great play, great pass to Olsen, set him up for what would be the game-winning goal. So, you know, credit where it's due. But when it goes back to, you know, we talk about him and, you know, the number one prospect, you need to do more in the other 50 minutes of a game, not just show up in that last 10 minutes. Sure, it made a great impact and was one of the reasons they won the game at the end, but and they got to do a little bit more than that. Uh, game on Saturday night, 3-2 shootout loss was, you know, Alex Lyon, great goalie down in the American League. Um, you know, they lit him up with 51 shots in the game and, uh, you know, went 0 for 7 on the power play. So the power play struggled. But on the flip side, the Phantoms have the league's best penalty kill. So okay. a, couple of, a couple of different ways you can obviously look at a game like that is how do you not score more than two goals on, you know, 51 shots? But credit where it's due when you're going up against the league's best penalty kill unit and, you know, a hot goalie um, kind of takes one bounce and it didn't go their way. So when you hit the road and come back with three out of four points against non-divisional teams, that's, that's a successful weekend. You know, one of the games maybe you'd like to have four, but there's really no way you can complain about three out of four at the end of a weekend. Yeah, so I mean that you know, that's good for them to pull out, especially on the road. You know, so those are nice things, nice at least points to pull out, and it's never easy to win on the road, especially in a back-to-back format. Even though it's kind of how the AHL does it, but you know that that's good to see. And uh, I did want to ask you because it, it's funny, you know, we've really talked about him, but you kind of hear a lot about him, especially with how much Rochester plays Utica. Uh, the Sabers got their first look at Thatcher Demko on Friday, who made his second career start for the Canucks. So uh, now he picked up the win and. A guy who's had a lot of success in the AHL and, you know, especially against Rochester too. And, you know, he, I don't think he was by means great against the Sabres, but you know, it's just interesting to see and hear about a guy who plays against, you know, your AHL team so much. And then he goes to Vancouver all the way on the West Coast and coincidentally he's <laughs> finds his game against the Sabres. Yeah, it kind of felt like watching the Emmerichs versus Comets game with, you know, Ulmerk and Ned and Demko on the right, other side. Right, yeah. uh, you know, even felt like an Amherst versus Utica game trying to get pucks past Demko and it just wasn't going in. So, yeah, it's one of those things where they're, you know, a rare case where, all right, there were, you know, two legitimate prospect goalies and they've both made it and, you know, are both playing in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, Demko is, he has a future. He's a good goalie and, you know, I wouldn't call him just an American League goalie. He's He's got potential up there. So, you know, they ran into him and saw that and, Hopefully one of the guys from the Amherst will make their way back up there and, you know, light them up next time. <laughs> right, right. So one guy I want to ask you about, because it's kind of a, you know, the Sabres are playing a lot of one-goal games here. Um, yeah, I had uh, Ryan Stimson on from The Athletic for the Beyond the Blade Sabres podcast that we do too. And you know, we talked about the power play and how it's, you know, it, it, it looks better by the numbers than what is actually happening. And what they're kind of missing uh, is a finisher. And then that got me thinking to, well, the Amherst have a power play finisher down in Rochester by the name of Victor Olofsson. So I was kind of curious, you know, how his season overall is progressing. I know he's cooled off with the goals, but, you know, the thing that I'm, I'm thinking now, and I even tweeted about it, like, maybe not yet, but I think maybe we're out the 10 to 15 game stretch where the Sabres are still in it and they're playing these one goal games where power play goals can help you. Uh, maybe it's a situation where they give him a look to utilize him on the power play and then kind of insulate him at five on five because, you know, we still know there's still some development things to be done there, you know, with his player from the puck and five on five play. But I'm just more kind of curious kind of how his season is continuing to go here as, you know, the weeks go on and we get farther in his first pro season in North America. 
nope, nope, nope. We're going to stop it right there. You're not taking any of our points. <laughs> <laughs> nope, just uh, building a snow wall from Rochester to Buffalo. But, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, yeah, he's he definitely has a shot that's a finisher. Um, you know, he can be a goal scorer. Um, you know, thankfully for us down here, the Sabres have some roster trouble. So right, right. Yep. contract limits where it's not as easy as, you know, it makes the sound. Um, you know, I guess the big question about that would be, you know, his season is going well. It's, you know, he's still, you know, he put up a two goal game, but overall, you know, he's just, you know, I think the jury's still out there as far as does that translate to NHL play or not? You know, he's getting the shots off, but you know, he scored five on five with the two goals on the Friday night. Well, like you said, you know, maybe 10, 15 more games, if there's a chance they could give him a look, um, really, you know, he kind of seems more streaky than anything else. You know, a two-goal game here, goal here, highlight goal there. But even then, he really isn't showing a lot of, like, you know, kind of like C.J. Smith. You know, he was a perfect example of, hey, here's a guy who is battling the corners every game, every shift. And, you know, Olsen doesn't do that as much. So, you know, would they call somebody up just to play on the power play and kind of protect them five on five? You know, it almost seems unlikely. But... You know, I guess if the season is getting to the point for the Sabres where it's going to be, hey, we're at a make or break point, you know, they could give it a shot. Um, You know, I would say at the same time, you know, Daniel Regan is flying under the radar and he's scoring, you know, just as many goals. So if you need somebody with a shot, you know, I think Daniel Regan should get a shot, you know, ahead of, say, an Olsen. But CJ Smith can also see that opportunity as well. Right, right, right. that would I would put those two guys up above Olsen before uh, anything else. Okay, interesting. Good stuff there. So Rochester has – we're back to a three-game week. We haven't had that in a while here. Uh, Binghamton on Wednesday, Utica on Friday, Syracuse on Saturday. Uh, the interesting thing about the Binghamton game is they could see former – well, I guess still current uh, – New Jersey Devils goaltender uh, Corey Schneider, who was just sent down today, I saw for conditioning who hasn't won a game, I think, in like six years in the NHL. But uh, Rochester could very well run into him on Wednesday. So that's an interesting thing uh, to look forward to on Wednesday. But uh, what's the uh, outlook here for Rochester on a three-game three game week coming up here? Yeah, that's going to be – the Wednesday game is going to be the biggest challenge, I believe. Uh, Binghamton has given them trouble all season. Um, you know, their Amherst are 1-2 and two against them so far this season. Uh, I think there was a five to one loss. There was a three nothing loss, and then we beat them once four to three. So, just seems like one of those teams that they're near the bottom of the standings, and they kind of shut down the you know teams trying to play a faster style of hockey. So, out of the three games, that could be the seems strange to say, but that could be the toughest one to win. Um, you know, the other two, Utica and Syracuse, those are going to be tough battles because they're challenging to move up the standings as well um so you know a three game week if they can come out with you know four out of six points that's going to be a success but you know these games are going to be start being tough in the second half as everybody's trying to move up the standings and especially against Syracuse I think we play them nine times out of the next uh, oh wow okay (laughs) nine times in the next 36 games how fun does that sound (laughs) so just so I understand properly because I don't even have the standings in front of me, so I'll ask you. I, do you think the AHL works since it's the top four teams in each division make the playoffs? Is that how it works? Correct. Yep, top four teams. So right now they're still looking pretty comfortable at the very least a playoff spot? 
Who the Emmerichs? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're not. They're not. Okay. Good I don't have. I don't have the standings in front of me, so I don't know like how far the fifth team is behind them. I don't. Yeah, there is. Uh, let me pull that up real quick. Yeah, there's eight points between first and fifth place. Oh, okay. Um, so I mean, it seems close. Um, really, there's only eleven points between first and eighth. But you know, that kind of goes with you know, it would have to really fall apart for this team. And you know, there's some bad games here and there, of course. And but you know, it's if they fell out of a playoff spot, there would be bigger troubles than. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me tell you about a collapse here. Let me. <laughs> I can tell you a whole story about how a collapse goes. <laughs> but ours has been over a forty-game span versus right, right versus span. ten games. So, <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're you know the Amherst are sitting well, so they've they've continued to play against you know Lehigh Valley. You know, just going back to that really quick and Wilkes-Barre, they've kind of been top teams in the other division, so. You know, they battled right along with them. Like you said, that the only teams they really seem to struggle against are the, you know, bottom half of the division teams. You know, Binghamton is one of those. So, yeah, no, they're, um, you know, however you finish in the North Division, it's going to probably come down to, you know, Rochester, Syracuse, Utica, possibly Toronto. You know, and no matter where you finish, whether it's first or fourth, those are going to be tough games either way. Right, right. Makes sense. So that is Keith Wozniak from Let's Go Amrix. Make sure you follow them on Twitter at Let's Go Amrix and follow their excellent content at Let's Go Amrix.com. So, Keith, we will get together again next week after a three game week, especially those big matchups over the weekend against Utica and Syracuse with divisional matchups. We'll see how that goes. So, stay warm, man. Um, hopefully, the snow doesn't keep piling up, and then uh, we'll talk again next week. Yeah, we should have a lot to talk about after three games against divisional teams. And, um, you know, hopefully by then, the with the Sabres on a break, we'll hear about maybe Pilot coming down. But Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of curious how that goes. If they do send anybody down there, you know, while we have the time. So we'll, we'll kind of – that's something to keep an eye on here over the next few days, what they decide to do. Yeah, the Amherst will be playing right up into the uh, American League All-Star break. So we'll have that talk about next week and hopefully a few wins, and we'll, we'll touch base then. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. I am a real American. Fight for the